Hi, I'm Ed Romaine, the Chief Marketing Officer of Cargo Global, and this is Mobilizing Culture, a new podcast exploring the ever-changing world of advertising and how new waves of mobile technology and digital advertising impacts the human mind both positively and negatively. On today's episode, I got to speak with well-known and widely respected agency executives. I'm Beth Mack. Hello. Bethany has years of experience as an ad executive, first in the automotive industry in Detroit and recently taking a new position at Leading Global Agency Initiative. I am the Chief Digital Officer of Initiative. It's a global agency headquartered here out of New York that is partnered to over 100 different clients that range across QSR to CPG to entertainment clients. Bethany is going to take us behind the curtain of the agency side of the advertising world and break down her keys to success for managing big brand clients and implementing tactics to reach their consumers. And as Bethany would tell you, she has many different types of clients, each of them with their own unique goals in mind. You know, in some cases it's awareness, 100% awareness. I don't care about the next step. It's do they know who we are, period. I have clients who are only transaction, and that's fine too. However, we have found, and a lot of it is through just some simple business metrics. Not media metrics, business metrics, and whether or not the product is moving. Mm-hmm. I have to, then you have to work back. No matter what the client's goals or initiatives are, Beth is clear on what the most important piece of the agency puzzle is. Oh, it's the relationships, 100%. You know, I think that's what drives a lot of not only the conversations, but the trust and respect from one another and yeah. the, the ability to build some really cool stuff based off of that trust and respect of you know, people in the industry. So how do you build good client relationships? Let's be honest. Do you spend a lot of time with them? Yeah. Some folks are easier. It's just, you know, again, it's the game of human connection. Some folks you're really connected to. And in some cases, I still am connected to some of my very first clients because we created such a rapport and a bond. I also think it's important to go through some tough times together. You, you see people's integrity. You understand how um, committed they are to the relationship. I, I think that's actually quite key. When it comes to mapping out a strategy for a brand client, the one thing that she has to remind herself and her team to do is... Take your marketing hat off. What do you do as a human? What do you do during your daily life? I I say that all the time. We lose our our, ability to be logic because we're so focused on these Excel charts. Exactly. Exactly. I I talk about intuition a lot. I talk about, like, what's your gut say? And a lot of times, it's right. Right. And it's great to back it up with some numbers and it's great to, you know, be able to prove it forward and make a, a bit of an impact based off of what people want. And as anyone on the agency side would tell you, once you come up with some big brand strategies, the next most important thing to do is to nail the pitch. The last nine months, I've been in more pitches than my entire career. And do you drop, drop a mic after or what's your move? I mean, I like to say I do. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really it is really a component of the group that you put together. And some people just really gel well, and some people it's a bit of a struggle. So you mean the people you bring on the pitch with yeah, you, right? Because yeah. you, you can need either create pitch. an energy or... Yeah, you need that pitch dream team, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't always happen. So we rarely go into pitches without having a full end-to-end team. So that's inclusive of a strategist, it's inclusive of a creative team, inclusive of a media team, and inclusive of a measurement team. And so when you bring all of those folks together in a room and you just have your, you've got your, you know, kind of pitch theater down, doesn't feel A, like pitch theater because it's really real. These things are connected and have to be. 
client feels far more comfortable because they're seeing it in action. And these are the these are the people who are leading the capabilities and efforts inside of the agency. And you know, some of the ideas are just so organically, perfectly suited for the problem that you walk out going, there's no way they can't buy this. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And sometimes you go in with all of that same excitement and vigor and you walk out and went, that was a hot mess. Right, right. Because right. it's also in the response of the audience. I mean, we've been in some where they've gotten up and clapped, right? And you're like, we won this. And there have been some that everybody stood behind their computer the whole time, right? I just sat in a out-of-home meeting and... It was incredibly interesting to me and incredibly important to the client that both creative and media were explaining these together. It felt seamless. It felt comfortable. The client was like, I got it. I can visually see it. I can understand its placement and the cost and the foot traffic and all of this. And we could have gone in and said, here's your media plan. Here are the locations. And tomorrow we'll come back to you with what it looks like. Here, and this, again, is everything from, like, printed vinyl billboards, very static, very old school in that way, to things that are very, you know, connected and intelligent. And it felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a gap. There wasn't a question as to why they understood the importance of both and how both actually enhance the message that needs to be distributed. Being able to bring those teams together and provide a little bit of shock and awe When you walk into a room and have more of a solution that has creative elements to it when they were expecting some sort of basic flowcharts and some cool ideas, when you come in and show people what it really will look like, blows them away. And in a day when automation is becoming less of a convenience and more of an expectation, Bethany makes sure to always warn her clients. Just because it's easy and at your fingertips doesn't mean it's a great experience, but people may go back to it because of that ease and convenience. Mm -hmm. So companies sometimes can be a little bit a little lax in the customer service space. I'm curious to know two things. One, do you ever have a client that wants to automate that, and you're like, this isn't the right idea? Or do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're like, this presents an opportunity for us to tell a big story? And the client's like, no, no, no. I just want to automate this. Yeah, I've had a couple examples over the last few months uh, where the product itself it was a female hygiene product. And it needed a conversation. It begged for conversation because it was bigger than the product itself. And there was a lot of automation that was desired as part of the distribution, which... And you think the product required further explanation? Yeah. I think the product itself, people be like, meh, without really understanding the benefits and really understanding why and that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Versus, hey, just try this without knowing why. On the flip side, some of the utility companies, they wanted to tell a bigger story, which it really just begged for just have people turn up or down the dial. And it creates its own story, right, by energy efficiency and and, um, being a connected community and so on. Like it just, it itself played the role as storyteller versus having to shout it from the rooftops. When it comes to promoting a brand, one thing that agencies cannot escape is the idea of influencers. Celebrities and individuals with large social media followings are a critical part of marketing strategies. But the idea of brand loyalty and authenticity is changing. 
I think what is lacking, and I think this goes with anything that's relatively new and maybe a little less tested when it comes to influencers, and this is not a knock on those folks who really do like the product and aren't paid. But to you talk can kind of tell. I feel like you can, yeah. and that—that's where you know I struggle with some of that those marketing tactics because some of our best exposures and our best conversations aren't from a an influencer list. It's from those people who are using it. They're kind of everyday people, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, they may not have the biggest following, and I'm actually okay with that. I'd rather have someone who is excited about the product and the, and the people who follow them are excited to listen to what they have to say and they ha- they really do have influence versus it being, you know, a, a, a fancy curated experience that they just were promoting another product three weeks pr- earlier. A hundred percent. I'm holding a rose. Like, I love this fragrance. Right. But I don't. But I don't because next week the I'm going to have a tulip. younger crew, let's say younger than us even though we're young. That's right. Um, I'm 12. The the 11-year-olds and under are not feeling the same kind of loyalty that was once felt to brands in the days of yesteryear. Mm -hmm. So do you think creative is dead? No, I just think you have to approach it from a different perspective. Absolutely, it's not dead. I mean, you need something to deliver your message, Mm -hmm. right? I need something to do my job, and I need something that means something to that consumer, it's got to mean something for somebody to react to it um, and share it and and it become part of their everyday life. Whether it's, you know, emotionally charged, whether it is utility-based, I think marketers and agencies, no matter if you're on, you know, the distribution media side or you're on the creative and concept side, you have to be thinking about what those consumers want first and not always what the brand thinks they should say. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line that you have to you have to balance because brands have worked very hard to become who they are and have done so for a long time in many cases very well telling people who they are and now i think it's it is a different age the loyalty isn't there and you have to approach it different you can't force it down people's throats anymore so you have to really understand what's the motivation and what are the tools that they're using some of the objectives that you're seeing is it related to brand loyalty because are marketers aware it's it's gone away I think some marketers know that it is. Um, I think folks who have been around for quite some time understand that there was once a different level of involvement that way. Uh, I think younger marketers probably don't see it the same way because they themselves may not even entertain the notion of loyalty. It's very hard to think the opposite direction that people Mm -hmm. always go to one brand. Because it used to be this conjoined feeling, for me at least, where you'd be like, not only are people feeling great and loving this brand, let's say it's McDonald's when mm-hmm. McDonald's first started, mm-hmm. but then there's also that we're moving product. And mm-hmm. now we're in this place where, okay, well, we just need to move the product. And it's almost like people have almost lost their foresight because we're so data-driven that they forget that there's something about creative. There's something about getting into people's hearts and minds, which is why video is still working, right? There's something right. about storytelling that works. Yeah. How do you think that's going to change or will it? I think it is just going to be kind of a natural progression. There's going to be folks who are going to really lead and help the rest of the industry kind of pull pull it forward. Yeah. Uh, there will always be incredible storytellers and folks who can capture those stories in a visual way. Uh, and some brands beg for it. Mm-hmm. Um, some brands, you don't need that emotional connection 
a little less for toilet paper than it is for... I want to feel good about my toilet paper. I mean, I do too. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, it does change the game sometimes. However, I kind of don't need an app to tell me how I feel. Increasingly, brands feel pressure to be socially responsible, and sometimes that means making comments around cultural happenings. You might remember a Pepsi commercial from earlier this year that featured elements from the Black Lives Matter movement. It starred a young, charismatic Kendall Jenner, but ultimately, that commercial backfired. Oh, and everybody is talking about this. Uh, Pepsi is facing criticism for a controversial new ad that shows a bunch of people protesting. And then, did you hear about this? And then Kendall Jenner steps in and solves everyone's problems by handing the police officer a Pepsi. We talk on the show a lot about if they get you talking about it, is that a success? In this case, I I, I think it seems to be a, a miss. I would think that was a topic you would know This has to be handled with care. This could potentially ruffle feathers. There are people who are invested in these movements who genuinely... You know what? You have to think long and hard if you really need to be in that space first. Yeah. Do you, as a brand, need to make that your Or make a comment on something, right? right? Because that's sort of what that was. That was a big, expensive comment. Right? (laughs) That in particular. One of the most expensive. Right. So I would have thought... Or I would expect, and you know, if I were to have a client ask, "How do I do something like this?" I would first say, "A, do you need to be there? B, what is your authentic voice that would tell people or invoke the? Of course, that particular brand needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other piece of it is, where in the world was their PR and their legal and anybody? <laughs> well, that was my question. Where? Was there an internal pushback? Yeah. Was no one saying, hey, this might read wrong? Yeah, there's got to be somebody that it? Like, did I a just... little scratch to the head going, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, that's where intuition and, you know, listening to listening to your gut kind of go, oh, that, that, you know, you know that they there were, you know, iterations beyond, you know, understanding what that creative looks like. And I also think, too, when you're working with celebrities or when celebrities are asked to be spokesperson for a particular brand, I've seen some great examples of absolutely this celebrity should be part of it. It's so perfect and feels right. And then I've seen celebrities, and we've all seen celebrities, say yes who shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. It doesn't feel right. It looks forced, and you know they're not drinking whatever it is or wearing or you know, using whatever product X is. I asked our friend Doug Jacob, creative director at Shiseido and guest on episode one, to weigh in on the matter. When Pepsi launched that commercial, I, I could not believe that that made it through the ranks and was accepted to, to go live, both both on brand level as well as on agency level. You know, Pepsi is known for having, like Coke, really intelligent marketers. I, I'm not sure if anyone got fired. Uh, I actually don't think somebody did. Uh, and I think that's probably because this went all the way up top before it went live. It was such a large commercial for them. And, you know, these guys put hundreds of millions of dollars of media against their their, their commercials. So it was an obvious no-no. It was a, a brand trying to reflect upon trends and, and opposed to being who they were and being transparent to their consumer base. And, and that's what happens. For my peers, they, they felt the same way, right? Like we, when we put out a commercial within Shiseido, there are quite a few eyeballs in the executive level before that commercial is live. It's not as if some creative or some creative agency or, or some partnership with a creative 
has the freedom to just launch things for a brand. There's quite a bit of marketers involved. Um, there's testing involved specifically at that level. So I think everybody was surprised that that was something that went live. I think it's again, it's an indication of uh, of a brand that was trying too hard and that you know was outside of their comfort zone for who they stood for as a brand. While she was giving me the inside scoop, the selfish cargo side of me had to know where she stood on platforms like social and most importantly, mobile. Where does mobile sit in your in your consideration set? Generally, within the first one or two slots. So you believe that, that you believe you actually we do too, but you believe you can actually be a powerful storyteller on mobile. Yeah, because it's not just going to be a banner unit, right? It's got to be in an in, in experience, if you will. It's got to be something immersive. It's got to be something that means something to that person for mm-hmm. them to respond. That's why you have to know who and how and what's their behavior and what's their motivation. And that's why it's so critical that we work so closely with our strategists, brand strategists, business strategists, communication strategists, creative strategists. Like, it's so absolutely critical that we have all of that intel because I could say mobile should be the first point of entry. But this is for, a, you know, maybe a little bit older skewing demographic who doesn't have the same penetration for iPhones they have, maybe lesser sophisticated units. And, you know, like you have to really understand that because you're not going to be making the impact that you should if you're not really, really intelligent and thoughtful and mindful about who you're connecting with. Mm -hmm. Well, people also, I think, always think about mobile as sort of this bottom of the funnel transactional metric, which I don't necessarily Mm -mm. think it is. I think you can actually build a brand on mobile first in some ways, depending on what the brand is mm-hmm. or or how old the brand is. Yeah. What do you think of social these days and how do you use it? Uh, I think it's a critical component of who we are as, as humans, right? It's just another way for us to communicate. You know, again, through some of these weather, you know, atrocities that we've experienced, it's given me the opportunity to stay connected to those folks who stayed in the Keys, right? Yeah. And get Even an understanding. Puerto underst- Rico, like... Right. Mexico. Right. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, stay connected to folks who are, you know, dealing with fires in their backyards. So I think from that standpoint, it's fabulous. I think like my Saturday mornings, I try to detox a little bit because you can be on your phone all the time, wondering and listening and, you know, being a bit of a voyeur, (laughs) uh, you know, across different social spaces. But I think it's really critical in our industry to know how to work in that space and not take it for granted. It has to be one of the first considerations when you look at your media options. And finally, she told me her biggest secret, the three words that she lives by when talking about how to reach consumers. Heart, brain, wallet. Get them to love who you are. Then tell them logically why they should buy your product and then give them the opportunity to buy it. I haven't heard Heartbrain Wallet and I really like it. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I kind of live by that. I live by that just because it makes it makes absolute sense. Like how do you, again, taking that marketer hat off, how do you go in and, and purchase something? Even if it's gum, right? Yeah. Like, do I need it? Do I need fresh breath? Hmm, yeah, probably because I want to find a mate. Um, and if I have bad breath, that's not going to happen, right? You know, and it's just that whole thing. And now it's only 59 cents. Done. Wait, do you know about that Listerine ad that ran? Do you know how they got Listerine to be a thing? No, tell me. There's this ad. Research shows that there is a direct connection between germs in your mouth and unpleasant breath. They, they basically made up halitosis. Halitosis isn't an actual thing. Halitosis is just you know, obviously bad right. breath from right. within. Yes. But the ad to sell Listerine was all about always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Poor Marge. 
she'll never hold a man until she does something about her breath. And the image, speaking of heart and brain, yeah. but the oh my image God. was this like very attractive woman, like sort of leaning against a wall, depressed because she, you know, didn't have great breath, and no one would ever marry someone. You just made me think of that. Oh my gosh! I want to shift because, as a consumer, this is important now. What's been impacting your heart lately? Has anyone told you a good story from a brand perspective that you're like, hmm, I'd be interested in understanding more about what whatever that is? I think some of the more recent weather craziness that we've had and what's surrounded Hurricane Harvey and the efforts to help people in Houston, I was so blown away by the football player, T.J. Wyatt, who, you know, just wanted to gather a few dollars, a couple hundred thousand dollars was his goal, and now I'm, I think he's approaching $40 million, right? It's incredible. But it was simple. It was simple, simple, simple. Don't have to overcomplicate things. When looking toward the future of advertising, who better to ask about it than one of the most respected players in the game? How do you talk to your consumer in five years and tell a creative story? Well, I think you shouldn't be looking that far ahead, honestly. Things change so quickly, and you can't kind of rely on the same thing you did. I mean, look at five years ago. Would we ever have thought you know, how reliant we are on our phones Probably not. to do everything. Mm-hmm. No. I was playing Snake. Right. I, I don't even <laughs> okay, know what I was doing. I, yeah. I think you have to be really intelligent on the now. And I also think, you know, it, let's go back to knowing how people react to things. You know, I'm, I'm interested in getting deeper into behavioral economics and what what does that look like and how are people motivated and you know what do what's the group mentality that's different in, in decision making than individuals and when is the right time to work with a group to get your message or work with individuals to you know create a bond it's mm-hmm. you know i think you just have to be really smart and i think agencies and clients should actually be thinking about how we reeducate our teams and it's not just in better excel and interesting storytelling it's like getting to the why mm-hmm. why do people react in a certain way why do people care on tuesday but not on friday there's another notion that inspiration is going to start to come from sensory enhancement and it being less about the story itself the narrative and how we as consumers participate in that story through elevated happenings, be mm-hmm. it our hearing or the, what it feels like or, you know, basically activating our senses. Yeah. Has that come into your day-to-day at all? And do you think that it might? Um, I would never count anything out, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, it hasn't really been a focal point for the clients that I work on today. I think, it, you know, in the automotive world, that could be very different because you can't always have a test drive, but you want people to experience what the vehicle is and how it feels and what's the smell and like what what do you, what happens when you touch this button, but you can't always, you know, rent a parking lot or a drive track to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to be in an airport and you want to do something a little bit different uh, that you can't do that. But right now, currently, no. I, I don't see that really infiltrating. People talk a lot about AI. AR. Yeah. yeah. Augmented reality. You know, there are some folks out there who really do an amazing job of creating some really immersive experiences. But there's time and technology. And if it doesn't work fast <laughs> and pay off, people don't come back. Well, it's sort of like virtual reality. Yeah. Which is, is it's, it's having some stickiness in certain areas. Mm-hmm. 
the film industry, I think uh, the news industry. Is VR a part of your day-to-day? Do you think it's a ways off still? I sort of do. I sort of feel like we need the hand touch yeah. feeling to make it really work. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think there are some really interesting uses for it. I was in a museum in, uh, I think I was in Korea somewhere. That's cool. Actually, I was in Seoul. I hope so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was in Seoul <laughs> and uh, uh, had a few moments to, to go and explore the city a little bit and went into a museum and it was was random. It was all about kimchi and like. I love kimchi. Oh, my God, I do too. And it yeah. just made me love it even more because I, I literally walked around with a headset. I walked around like they it was so perfectly curated that I never at one point felt like I was going to, you know, fall off the bridge or bump into a wall or anything because it was such an interesting experience. It took me there hmm. and I felt like I was part of the little village that they were talking about and how, you know, it was really, really cool. Those types of experiences, spot on. But I don't know if it's really necessary. Or scalable even. Yeah. Right. Scale. Huge factor. That's the other thing. There are spaces and places and experiences that you want to build when you bring people to you that could be really an intelligent way to use a technology. It's not, it doesn't need to be everywhere for everyone. I want to thank my guest, Bethany Mack. Thank you so very much. It's awesome. been a pleasure. Next week on Mobilizing Culture. The truth is that if you are somebody who is paying for a print product and you're actually reading it, I think you do expect that experience to be different than what it is when you're reading something on your phone or you're reading something online. 